Luke chapter 2, and we'll be reading verses 8 through 14. Luke 2, 8 through 14. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. This is God's word. If any time of year brings to mind the importance of tradition, it's this time of year, isn't it? We, we all have traditions, no matter young, old, wherever you came from, whatever your background is, typically your family, right, has traditions. And if any season brings out the importance and the remembrance and the activity of tradition, it's Christmas. I love traditions. As I was thinking about traditions and talking to Cindy even this week, we have traditions we don't even know where they came from. Some of them don't even make a whole lot of sense. We just do them at this time of year. There's certain things that we do that make Christmas Christmas, right? What is it for you? You may, one of the things we do, we, we have to find this, see if you can relate. We have to find this particular ornament and somehow we manage to lose it every year. But it's there in the attic so we go through the boxes. Hey, it was great grandmother's ornament. It's actually kind of battered. It's not real pretty. But we find it and we hang it right in the middle of the tree. It's Christmas. For you, maybe it's going to see someone, spending time with someone, traveling. Maybe it's the, the, the Christmas Eve service at Highlands or somewhere else that you go to when you're out of town, visiting a family. Maybe it's music. It's Christmas now that we have sung such and such. Christmas is here. Food. We could go on and on. How about movies? films. You know, I kind of came late to, to, to Christmas movies. You know, I, I saw for the first time just three years ago, I think, White Christmas. Y'all watch what? That movie is so cheesy. It is so hokey. It's wonderful. I won't sing. But we could, go, um, we could go on and on. Well, 
This passage fits into that category. This is a passage you can't go through. You can't go to Christmas and not read this passage. It's everywhere. We hear it everywhere, and here it is, right here. One of the earliest traditions that I can remember in our family, and I'm going to admit I was alive in 65. I was alive in 1965 when this came out. You've seen it. Uh, Charlie Brown. Remember Charlie Brown? Here's this little boy who can't do anything right, can't even pick out a Christmas tree for crying out loud. but keeps asking the question that the world is asking. What is this all about? Can anybody tell me what Christmas is all about? You remember who answers? A wonderful scene toward the end of the the film, and we watch this every year as a family. I remember it well. We still do it. Linus gathers up his blanket, walks to the front of the auditorium. The lights go down. The spotlight comes up. He stands there with his blanket and he quotes from memory this passage. And then he simply says, that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown, and walks off the stage. Very dramatic. But... This is Christmas. This, gets, this passage gets to the heart of Christmas, and this passage is ubiquitous. It's everywhere. We have to hear it. I would even say, even people that, that don't care that much about Christ or Christmas or church, it's still not Christmas until they hear this passage, and that's part of the problem. How in the world do we come to a passage like this and look at it with with new eyes and hear it with new ears and receive it with new hearts? How do we see it for what it really means? What it really says? What the message is? How do we not miss it? The heart of Christmas is this passage. The heart of this passage is the highest. Coming to the very lowest to bring peace. To bring peace. What is that all about? We could sum it up in one word. We could sum Christmas up. We could sum this passage up. In one sense, we could sum the gospel up with one word. Peace. Irene. As Dr. Hoffecker loves to say, that's one of Dr. Hoffecker's favorite words. He just walks around asking him, Irene, peace. What is that? Irenaeus, Irene, right? Okay, all right. <laughs> Got a bow to the professor. Irene, peace. But what is this peace? What is this peace that gets to the heart, the very heart of Christmas? Let's ask a couple of questions. Number one. Is it political peace, civil peace, international peace, peace between nations that Jesus came to bring? Is it? There were Jews, many of whom 
during Jesus' time, had waited a long, long time for the anointed one, the Messiah, the King of Kings, a royal warrior king that would finally come and bring peace, throw the Romans out, purify the temple, bring back the law. We're looking for a warrior king to bring peace. It didn't happen. There are many today. You are among them. I am among them. We long, don't we? We long for peace. Where is it? And every day on the television and whatever eye device we're reading and whatever newspaper we might be reading, there it is again, another war. Another conflict. And we are to pray. We are to be peacemakers. We know that. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. I can remember, again, when I was a teenager, I had a bracelet that I wore. Maybe some of you remember these, and many of you have heard of these. They were called POW bracelets, prisoner of war bracelets. And what you did, what you did is you, you went and bought one of these or somebody gave you one and that you put it, put it on your wrist and it had the name of a POW in Vietnam on it. And, and the goal of our family was to pray for that man every day. And uh, when I was in high school, I had this prisoner of war bracelet and I looked at it and it said, Colonel Robinson Risner. And we tried to, to, to always be mindful of him and to never forget him and to uh, pray for him every day. He was an Air Force pilot. And in God's providence, I kid you not, I remember I actually got to, I went and found it actually on, on YouTube. I got to go back and there were actually clips of Robinson Risner being set free and coming back and getting, on the, getting off the plane and coming back to the United States of America. It was a thrill for me as a teenager. And what was really a thrill is later I had no idea that this man was a Christian. And he wrote a book later um, called The Passing of the Night, My Seven Years as a Prisoner of the North Vietnamese. And he talks about going through troubles and trials in this world right now in the context of war as a Christian. And he says this, To make it, I prayed by the hour. I did not ask God to take me out of it. I prayed that he would give me the strength to endure it. Wow. I did not ask God to take me out of it. I prayed prayed that he would give me the strength to endure it. When it would get so bad that I did not think I could stand it, I would ask God to ease it, and somehow I would make it. And he kept me. He kept me. One day I prayed, Lord, I have to have some relief from this pain. I quoted the Bible verse that he would hear us and he would never allow us to take on more than we could bear. And he goes on. There is a man who who understands that, that in this life, We continue, don't we, to have wars and rumors of war. Look, 
if Jesus was born and died to bring immediately, immediate, uh, political, international peace, he failed. Now, he'll bring peace someday. But he didn't bring it at Christmas or even on the cross. But not only that, listen to the words of Jesus. Do not think that I have come to bring peace on the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. Matthew 10. That's Jesus. Luke 21. You will hear of wars and tumults. Don't be terrified. Nation will rise against nation. Again, stay with me. Jesus also says, blessed are the peacemakers. But this is not a political peace that Jesus comes at Christmas to primarily bring. All right? Well, so it must be inner peace. Inner stability and calm. In other words, for those of you who have been a Christian, you know whether you've been a Christian for a short time or a long time, for years, you always have inside you inner peace and calm. You never worry. You never have any anxieties. Everything is always fine. Right? You're laughing. No. No. Um... Jesus certainly makes a wonderful promise in John 14. uh, Peace I leave to you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. Let not your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. There's a peace that we have certainly in Christ. But he also says in Luke chapter 12, Do not think that I have come to give peace to the earth. No, I tell you rather division. Division. From now on in one house there will be five divided. Three against two, two against three, father against son, son against father, mother against daughter. What's he talking about? Inner peace is certainly what we have as Christians, but it certainly goes up and down. And it comes and goes. And sometimes, even in your own family, when you come to Christ and your life has changed and he has made his home in your heart by the power of the Holy Spirit, somebody doesn't like it. I read a fascinating article a couple of weeks ago called The Terrifying First Christmas. Now, hang with me. I'm not meaning to put a damper on Christmas. It's full of joy and wonder and happiness. But listen to this. The news of Jesus' arrival confused Mary caused Joseph to consider divorce, and provoked a madman, Herod, to murder. I don't recall these things to make you feel like Christmas is Good Friday, but, and this is great, here's what he says, he goes on, but to remind us that the light came, but not without a fight, the light won, but not without a cost. The light came, but not without a fight. The light won, but not without a cost. Do you remember when Simeon, 40 days later, held Jesus in his arms and looked at Mary and said, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel 
and to be a sign that will be spoken against. And the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed by this child, and a sword will even pierce your own soul, Mary. And what's, what's going on here? If you have a child, if you have a grandchild, if you have a friend, if you have a neighbor that you really love, is your goal that that person has inner peace all the time? If you're a mother with a small child, is your goal that that small child have inner peace all the time? Inner peace as they walk right out into traffic? We know intuitively, even from our own relationships, sometimes we love somebody enough to say, stop it. I love you too much to let you go there. How much more so of Jesus? When Jesus comes into your life, he might stir you up. He might convict you. He might confront you. Why? Because he's real. And you have a real relationship with him. And he will come and he loves you enough to do what it takes. And he knows your heart better than you know your own heart. Yes, we always have love and mercy and grace and blessing from God through Christ, but sometimes Jesus will come and he will convict you and he will challenge you and he will rattle you and he will upset you if you have a real relationship with him and he's really living uh, in your heart. Hebrews 12, the Lord disciplines the one he loves. We have all had human fathers who discipline us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits, God, and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in His holiness. Yes, we desire and look for and long for political peace. Yes, we desire and look for and long for inner peace. Those are vital. They're important. But they come and go in this life. And that's not the peace that's talked about here in this passage. The peace that is talked about, let's call it Christmas peace. The peace that's talked about here in this passage never comes and goes It always stays. It lasts forever. You can never lose it. It changes everything. And it's, believe it or not, it's more important than political peace. It's more important than inner peace. In fact, it gets at the very cause of war and worry. It gets at the very cause of conflict and anxiety. It gets right to the very heart of it. Luke talks about peace more than any other writer in the New Testament. He talks about peace over and over and over. He loves the word. But there's another book of the Bible that talks about peace by far more than any other book of the Bible. And you would never guess. It's in the Old Testament. You know, it's that, it's that book that when somebody told you to read through the Bible in a year, you got to it and you stopped. Leviticus. 
Over and over and over, the book of Leviticus talks about peace. Believe it or not, you know the word shalom. Why? Because in Leviticus, there's this peace offering that's constantly being called upon by God uh, to the people to give. Let me briefly describe from Leviticus this peace offering. Leviticus 3. If his offering is a sacrifice for the peace offering, an animal from the flock, he shall offer it as a lamb without blemish. If he offers a lamb for his offering, he shall offer it before the Lord. Lay his hand on the head of his offering and kill it in front of the tent of meeting and Aaron's son will sprinkle the blood on the sides of the altar. And on and on. What is all this about? This is all about the fact that that sin and rebellion uh, that that have caused war and worry and anxiety and lack of peace is, is so serious that only the shedding of blood, only the sacrifice will bring peace between God and man once and for all. This is one of those wonderful Old Testament signpost passages that looks forward and points directly to Jesus Christ. Remember John the Baptist looks at Jesus and before all that are, that are standing around says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Uh, John the Apostle in Revelation 5, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Hebrews 9, when Christ appeared as a high priest, he entered once and for all into the holy places, not by the means of of the blood of, of goats and calves, but by his own blood. And then the Apostle Paul says, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. No more let sin and sorrow reign. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. We're about to sing that. That's Christmas. That's the gospel. Peace on earth, mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Uh, Paul says again, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son. He made peace through the blood of the cross. And then Ephesians 2, but now in Christ you, here it is, But now in Christ you, who were once far off, have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ. He himself is our peace. He himself is our grace. He himself is our salvation. He himself is our eternal life. He himself is our hope for rescue and political peace and inner peace and eternal peace are all found in Jesus Christ and Him alone. Peace. And suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, 
this heavenly host here is actually a a military word. There's one military word behind this word host. The picture here, here's the picture. they're, They're singing this wonderful peace song, but literally the picture is an army of angels spread across the sky singing about a peace treaty that has been signed, that will be signed with the blood of Jesus. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. This is the time of year, if you know this peace, if you know this grace, to praise God. To be reminded that now you have a relationship with him. Jesus ended the, the, your greatest enemy, sin and death. And drew you to God by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you have reached out that empty hand of faith and, and, and dropped your weapons and said, I want Jesus, please. I want him. If you don't have this peace, there's no better time of year to drop your weapons, drop to your knees, put your palms up and say, Jesus, I'm tired of warring with you. I'm tired of running from you. Nothing in my hands I bring simply to the cross I cling. Save me. In fact, we uh, a little earlier in the service we sang this: "Where meek souls will receive Him still, the dear Christ enters in." I'll close with this. Uh, some of you know the name uh, G.K. Chesterton, and he once said this. It's wonderful. I'll close with this: There is something defiant in Christmas. Something that makes the bells at midnight sound like the great guns of a battle that has just been won. Jesus comes to bring peace between God and man, between God and women, between God and, and girls and boys, and eternal life. Praise Him. Let's pray. Lord, we know as Christians we should pursue and long for international and political peace and we will have that one day when you return in glory. We know as Christians that we, we seek and look for and get from you inner peace and yet at the same time as your children, sometimes you love us enough to stir us up or confront us or challenge us or discipline us. We know that just like we do in our own families, even more so you. And we are reminded, and we will, uh, we're about to sing, that this, this peace, this wonderful peace that is full of mercy and full of love and full of grace came first in a cradle, then on a cross, and now both are empty. The cradle's empty. The cross is empty because Jesus wears the crown and has brought peace 
between us and you and has brought blessings beyond our wildest imaginings. And so we praise you and we thank you. And we pray all of these things truly in the name of him who came to bring us peace, to bring us hope, to bring us rescue, to bring us salvation. We pray all these things in his name, Jesus' name. Amen.